We're starting things off with a word from our sponsor. Since 1998, DVD Netflix has delivered more than 5 billion DVD and Blu-ray rentals to movie lovers in every American zip code and to military bases around the world in their famous, iconic red envelopes. With an extensive library of titles from the early 1900s to today and shows from such premium networks as HBO and Showtime, DVD Netflix is a must for physical media lovers. Featuring a variety of different plans starting at as little as $8.99 per month, it's a great way to experience DVDs and Blu-rays with special features and commentary tracks you won't find anywhere else. A member for over 20 years, so well before I ever began working with the service as an official blogger on acting or as a DVD, Netflix, Twitter, film discussion host, I think it's a terrific way to keep our vintage video store memories alive and support the physical media that we love so much. So be sure to check out DVD Netflix for yourself at dvd.com. Now on with the show. Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. This week, I am so happy to welcome back my guest for the most downloaded episode of season three, devoted to laugh out loud, funny 90s rom-coms. It's my friend Rachel Wagner, the woman behind not only the website, podcast, and YouTube channel, Rachel's Reviews, the Rotten Tomatoes approved film critic also runs the incredibly popular Hallmarkies podcast as well. And Rachel is a veteran interviewer in her own right. Additionally, she has a keen interest in both obscure animation and the genre that brings her back here today. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? And how's 2023 treating you so far? It's been pretty good. You know, 2022, I was kind of the queen of grumpiness uh, for the first <laughs> like six months. There was hardly anything that I liked, both Hallmark and uh, and uh, if feature films, I wasn't a big fan of most of the Sundance movies last year. But this year, I, I don't know if I've just been in a better mood or what. But I feel like I've liked <laughs> way more stuff. And I liked almost everything that I saw at Sundance, which was very exciting. Very cool. Is there yeah. anything you want to make sure to put on our radar? Mm. Um, well, I really liked uh, a movie called Radical with Eugenio Derbez. Uh that uh, about an aspiring it's 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 a formula we've seen many times about aspiring teacher but i thought it was executed very well and i thought it, it was very moving also you hurt my feelings uh it was really funny it's a24 uh so it'll be, get a pretty good release it's director nicole Hol holfkerner i'm not sure how you say her name. yeah 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 um, i love her and julie yeah. louis dreyfus i yeah. can't wait it was so funny I, I really, I really enjoyed it. And then I also, I mean, of course I loved theater camp, which, you know, I'm a big theater nerd. So that was right up my alley and Flora and son from John Carney, who I, you know, just love yeah. John Carney so much. I, this was probably my least favorite of any of his, but I still overall enjoyed it. Like the only reason I would say it's my 
least favorite is like none of the music really stood out to me. And maybe that's because there's a bit of hip hop and that's not like my favorite mm-hmm. genre, but um, it's still very sweet. And, uh, you know, so if you like John Carney, uh, then you'll enjoy it. And I also loved the Judy Bloom documentary. Ooh, yeah. that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I It's going to be on Amazon Prime, I think, uh, before the, um, the movie, you know, the Hey, God, It's Me, Margaret movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it, I, I would put this on, on up with the um, Fred Rogers documentary, which I also loved at Sundance. Yeah, a while back. Oh, so those yeah, sound it was wonderful. really good. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a good Sundance. It really was. And we're recording this on the first day of March. It'll be released much later. But <laughs> Rachel was telling me off air that she's going to South by Southwest this yeah. year. So exciting. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm really, really thrilled. I didn't think I was going to be able to pull it off, but uh, my friends are letting me stay with them, <laughs> couch sit with them. Yeah, I'm very grateful. And then, so I'm, yeah, I'm going to be there for six days. So, yes. And she just got back from the Hollywood Critics Association uh, mm-hmm. Awards in yeah. LA and had a very memorable experience <laughs> on that trip. You want to give us like the overview? Yeah. Because it, it sounded it, like the start of a rom com, really. <laughs> yeah. There's this old episode of The Simpsons called Homer Simpson versus New York City. And I kind of <laughs> felt like that was the case with this trip went with LA uh just I don't know it was just one of those trips where it feels like everything goes wrong that could go wrong the weather was absolutely bizarre uh, <laughs> there uh our Airbnb was uh, was difficult to kind of access you'd go all this huge windy roads and and that was a problem when you have like, like flash floods <laughs> but but luckily i was with super great people and and uh and we did make it to the uh to the um event so that was the most important yes and she had a dress and looked stunning i might add in the photos so yes go rachel but i was lucky because the power went completely out so i was lucky that i had i had showered and styled my hair early in the morning <laughs> oh good yeah <laughs> that was that was that was very fortunate <laughs> that would have been yeah an experience yeah i know i was telling her about my one trip that i took to san diego years ago where it was kind of spur of the moment i love going to san diego and we arrived yeah. and like i was there for only an hour of perfect weather and it was when we had lunch then we get outside and it just <laughs> rained and like it was freezing for the rest of the trip. We had to run to the mall, go to the Gap, buy a bunch <laughs> of sweaters. You know, there's something about California and sweaters, though, because when I went to L.A. this summer, my hotel was kind of like, you know, the frozen tundra. And so and it was August. So I remember asking my friend uh, Jordan, like, can you bring me to Target? I need to buy a sweater. <laughs> so I had to go buy a cardigan in, in, in August in L.A., which was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, this was actually when, when I got home, I, uh, <laughs> I was going to a screening that night and, uh, I couldn't find my coat. Uh, and so I just grabbed like the easiest sweatshirt that was around. And cause I'm me who I am. I, it was a home alone sweatshirt <laughs> and everybody <laughs> in the screening was like, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I cover Hallmark movies. I can wear Christmas year round. <laughs> yes. You know, it goes with the territory. Yeah. <laughs> 
so what's going on? I mean, spring is, of course, a good time for romance. What will be yeah. happening soon on Hallmarkies? Yeah, so they so March, the first part of March is, well, most of March is kind of just like a grab bag month where they just yeah. kind of post everything. Um, and then they have Spring into Love, which starts the last week of March. And it's gone by many different names over the years. Spring Fever. And then uh, spring fling. It was spring fling for a brief. Now they've gone into spring to love. Yes. <laughs> it's probably better than love you, Ari. That was strange. Yeah. yeah. I said, you know, because up TV, they had a flirty February. So I think that they definitely win as far mm-hmm. as the month name. Yeah. Much better than love you, Ari. I think love you, Ari sounds like a disease. Yeah, you don't want to get afflicted by love you Everyone Everyone <laughs> love, you don't want to get love you is what we're saying. Yes. Yeah. Well, love brings us uh, here today, just like last year when we covered the 90s. Rachel and I are the same age. So it just seemed kind of perfect that we would go into the era where we came of age. And we're sticking with movies that we probably remember from childhood. So we're going to be talking today about the 1980s. Which, you know, for me, the 80s and 90s were the best decades of rom-coms outside of, of course, the screwball era of the 30s and 40s. And so I was really excited to get Rachel back. We are taking a look at, I mean, there's a million movies we could have chosen for this. And I'm sure we're going to reference a bunch. But we're going to be taking a look at Splash, Moonstruck, Bull Durham, and When Harry Met Sally. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's Should a good we? Mix. Yeah, it is a good mix. You have everything from PG, although the splash PG is kind of like a a light or a, a pretty strong <laughs> PG 13, I would say, yeah. when I watched oh, it yeah. this time, and uh, all the way into um, movies that are rated R. So. Let's... Yeah, I would say none of these movies were a part of my childhood. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> but I came to appreciate them later on. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we're going to talk about our first experiences with these films. So let's go for it. Tell me about Splash. Um, I'm trying to remember when I first saw Splash. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I can't remember. I think I saw it in college. I think. Okay, first time. Sure. Yeah, with friends. Uh, and I was surprised at how, like, it's a pretty sexy movie. It's the horniest movie. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sorry. That I, I, I mean, I don't mean to offend anyone listening, but I used to watch this thing, like, it all the time as a kid with my friend across the street, Amanda Carroll. Hi, Amanda, if you're ever listening or anyone knows her. I don't know what her name is now. But (laughs) for whatever reason, they loved that movie. And so I would go over because she was right across the street and we just like put on Splash. And watching it again now, I'm like wondering if I was a bit of a freak because... (laughs) I mean, it is the horniest movie. You have yeah, they, they, Candy talking about penthouse and trying to look up women's skirts. And, yeah. you know, uh, Daryl Hannah is naked and Tom Hanks and her can't keep their hands off each other, which is really hot. But, <laughs> you know, it's for a little kid. I don't yeah. know. Might have been a little weirdo. I don't know. Yeah, it's it really is. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only way to describe it. I mean, yeah. I think it's the perfect word. Uh, and uh, I think that the casting comes a long way in this. Yeah. They're they're both so good together, and they're both so uh, charming. And I think that this is almost kind of a slight take on uh, on sort of the same formula than we would see in Pretty Woman. Kind of the idea I agree. of yeah, but but I think that 
that Tom Hanks' character is a little more nerdy than Richard oh, yeah. Gere. Richard Gere was actually considered, I mean, everyone. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Richard Dreyfus. I mean, Chevy Chase. Everybody was considered for this. But I kind of love that Ron Howard uh, decided to go with Tom Hanks, who was pretty unknown. I think he'd mm-hmm. only done, you know, like Bosom Buddies. This was around that time. So he was very unknown. John Candy, um, when Roger Ebert reviewed this, he came up with the idea that they should have flipped roles, that maybe John Candy should have played Hanks and vice versa, because then it would have been a little more interesting to see and root for that guy. I personally love this idea of seeing John Candy play, you know, that kind of teddy bear with a a dark side uh, or a little bit like he's the naughty uncle you have where he he tells you everything that you shouldn't hear, that kind of thing. So I really love Candy in this. Uh, You've got Eugene Levy. You've got um, just a great cast. And I think Daryl Hannah brings so much sweetness to it. I guess uh, The Little Mermaid was a real favorite story of hers growing up and so she used to for fun like bind her legs and swim mermaid style and so I was reading when they made this movie and they you know put the prosthetic on her she because of all that experience swam so fast that the safety team could not even keep up with her and I thought that was great yeah one thing that's interesting is that uh that when they made the little mermaid uh, that there that was a big concern over it, it whether the people would see it as like a sequel to oh, wow. Splash. Um, yeah, it says here that um, uh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeffrey Katzmer, uh, that, that when they suggested The Little Mermaid, Katzmer passed the project over because at the time the studio was in development on a sequel to their live action mermaid comedy Splash and felt The Little Mermaid would be too similar a project. The next day, however, Katzenberg approved the idea for possible development along with Oliver and Company while in production. And anyway, it goes on. But um, but yeah, there was definitely like wow. a yeah. <laughs> that is and fascinating. Because you forget that both of those movies were made by Disney, both Splash and they are, yeah. yeah. They're both on Disney Plus, and yeah, I know one changed the face of animation and <laughs> one, you know, really made Tom Hanks a superstar, launched uh, Daryl Hannah into a stratosphere. It was a big hit at the time. And what was funny was I was reading there were like competing sort of dueling mermaid projects going on. There was like another one with Warren Beatty at Warner Brothers that never really came into fruition that I thought was strange. And, um, you know, it's a really good portrait of the time. You've got Gans and Mandel writing the screenplay and they would write City Slickers. And they also wrote a really good adaptation of Nick Hornby's Fever Pitch in America that I've always loved as a rom-com. Oh, that one's good. Yeah, it is so good. I know. I I feel like people forget that movie a Mm -hmm. lot. But yeah, so Fever Pitch, different era, um, early aughts. But yeah, the Gans and Mandel magic that we see in Splash kind of carried on in some of these films. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like because they had talked about doing a gender swap of this movie with Channing Tatum as the mermaid. I don't know if you heard about that, but it seems like I haven't heard anything about it for a long time. But I feel like that would be very difficult. You'd have to really change it a lot because I think we still the idea of, I think, a 
I, I don't know if people would accept the idea of a man being as aggressive uh, sexually as Daryl Hannah's character true. is. Yeah, um, it, it might yeah. come off a little grabby and creepy. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the, that might be a whole different movie. Yeah, yes. it really <laughs> might be. <laughs> you know what? I think it was kind of cool. It's good you pointed that out because this one of the things is you would expect it to be from the female perspective too i mean not a gender swap we're talking about uh yeah, know, yeah point of view for the film and it kind of leaves like in pretty woman it's more from julia roberts perspective this is from tom hanks perspective predominantly and then little mermaid is the magical film that it is because we're seeing the world through ariel's eyes and right I think, so they're different enough yes yeah yeah. And it, I mean, it, it, it makes this kind of interesting juxtaposition where yeah. he's kind of this nerdy guy, uh, but he's not going to say no to. <laughs> no, who's going to say no to Daryl Hannah in the early 80s, which <laughs> straight. <laughs> he's kind of just like, what? Man. Yes. You want me? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. So yes. I think it would be I'd be interested to see it. But I think it would be hard to pull off the gender swap. Yeah. And I did hear that um, actually pretty recently. I think it's Brian Grazer is still working on um, this project. Oh, really? And they hired a screenwriter, I think a female screenwriter. Oh. So I something might be happening with it. I'm not sure. You know who would be perfect is mm-hmm. um Diablo Cody. I think oh perfect yeah yeah, Diablo Cody would be great yeah Yeah, I know I wish we could have seen when Sofia Coppola wanted to direct a Little Mermaid like a live version because I think she would have made it you know beautiful and romantic and dreamy instead of just trying to be this weird carbon copy thing on the Disney you know yeah version. yeah I this think new one gone Ooh. back to the source material more yeah 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 so it'd be interesting <laughs> to see but um but yeah I mean it's a pretty simple movie yeah um but uh but entertaining and it funny is. and kind of I think what gets it a long way is just kind of how awkward it is <laughs> yes I agree that is a really good point yeah yeah, it's um, because we are supposed to suspend our disbelief pretty hard, but we're going right along with Hanks. Like, yeah, this is crazy. But, you know, you need that kind of perspective of to be mm-hmm. grounded in the real world and what was happening. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in the early Ron Howard, it was this is this is one of his first movies, I think. Yes. Right. Yeah. Is it mm-hmm. his future filmmaking debut? I should probably look that up. Let me see here. He's I, one thing you got to give Ron Howard credit for is Grand Theft Auto was his first. Uh, uh, wait. Okay, he has done such variety yes. in his career. I mean, pretty impressive. Everything from uh, from something like Splash to uh, to you know something like Rush to uh, obviously Apollo thirteen, uh, Far and Away, which I I. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I always felt like that was a little bit underrated, underappreciated, that one, a Far and yeah. Away. Yeah, and Backdraft is a classic, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, yeah, Cocoon, I actually watched Rush for the first time on Saturday night. 
Um, I knew the Hunt and Lauda story, of course, because mm-hmm. I'm like the daughter of car people. And so I knew that. But for whatever reason, I think I was sick at the time or I'm not sure why I never saw it. But I watched that Saturday night and then the next morning without even thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I got to watch Splash. And so I did. And so I had a weird Ron Howard double feature. And, you know, <laughs> Rush is kind of a sexy movie because mm-hmm. you know, these guys were like rock stars of the 70s auto scene. But I would say that Splash is a little, to me, it's it's hornier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no so, question. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. The one that's the, the hard R versus the PG. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to watch, uh, I wouldn't want to watch Splash with my parents. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what we're saying. It might be a little awkward with some people's parents, for sure. (laughs) Speaking of watching movies with your parents, this brings us to Moonstruck, which is the first live action movie that I remember seeing in the theater. It probably wasn't, but for whatever reason, this is the one that stands out. I was six years old and I went with my mom and grandma. And so it was three generations of Italian Americans. When you get to me, I'm like probably a drop Italian. So, you know, the more Italian generation would be my grandma, of course. Uh-huh. And the theater was packed. And what I remember, I mean, I was kind of bored because I was six, except for whenever Nicolas Cage came on the screen, you could just hear everyone lose their minds in the theater. Yeah. Like whenever that happened, you know, he was just so magnetic and so wild and nobody knew what was coming. And I remember feeling this like swoon uh, or this sense of magic mm-hmm. and uh, just, yeah, one of my friends jokes like, you know, it explains your taste in men, your taste in romance, your <laughs> your early experience with Nicolas Cage, you know, these sort yeah. of charismatic people and um, who are a little bit messed up. And yeah, so I love Moonstruck. It's, you know, it's La Boheme. It's an opera of the bride and the wolf. And yeah, it's just wonderful. What do you remember I, about seeing I, I think I saw it for the first time in college as okay, well. I gotcha. think that's when a lot of us, you know, like see our, have our formative, you have more time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See these formative and you're finding movies. your passion. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it is probably one of my favorite movies. It's definitely one of my yes. favorite scripts ever. I absolutely oh my gosh. It is a love the script. script. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we did a whole episode of Criterion Project on Moonstruck. So if you want to hear more of my thoughts on that, you could check that out. But, um, but I, I do it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love all the characters. I love the, it's a little bit over the top. Uh, as far as it's supposed like, to be, yeah, yeah, like people don't really talk the way they talk in this movie. It's no. a little bit operatic, yeah, yeah, operatic. I think that's a good word, but I love it for that. Uh, I I absolutely love both Loretta's story uh, and also uh, her mother. Uh, that oh, whole so scene, magical with yeah. John Mahoney mm-hmm, is oh. so great. Uh, and, uh, and then at the, at the end, when she says to her husband, your life is not nothing. I know and, uh, that, that is me. just, oh. yeah. Right in the heart. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that whole sequence at the end at the table, I mean, that's definitely an Italian thing. It's surrounded by food and family <laughs> essentially. And I just love the whole, you know, Ronnie Camareri coming over as Nick Cage yeah. 
and uh, you know, she doesn't want him there and he wants to stay for oatmeal. And it's kind of that sort of leave it to Beaver. Yes, Mrs. Castorini, I would love some oatmeal. I've never wanted oatmeal more in my life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so not good. even an oatmeal person, but you watch Moonstruck and you're like, I want to be at that table. <laughs> want to have oatmeal. And I want to watch the moment that a lot of moments kill me. Yeah. But when uh, you hear the phrase Johnny's brother and you see the dad's eyes look at Loretta share and like she has to look down. Oh, just the little reactions in this film kill me. Yeah. And I've heard people say, oh, well, she didn't deserve to win the Oscar. And oh. I haven't seen the other. I guess I don't know what the com- the competition was that year, but I disagree. I think her performance is I absolutely it's outstanding. Uh, I think it's so good. And she goes toe to toe with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Cage was kind of an up and comer. He was so much younger than her too. People don't realize that. And, um, but he just comes on the screen, like fully developed. He had done Valley girl, which is a film that I love a lot and have a huge amount of affection for, um, so he, you know, had played sort of a romantic lead before, but uh, Cher is a really underrated actress. I think, you know, Silkwood is a movie I'm going to be mm-hmm. covering soon. Just like I, I neglected to say when you were talking about Pretty Woman, I'm going to be covering that with Karina Longworth soon. But um, yeah, I think um silkwood is another one i'm doing with the cantwells that i'm looking forward to i think Cher was great in this era also mermaids yeah i was just gonna say that yeah mermaids the movie where it (laughs) the only appetizers (laughs) thing i remember (laughs) like that's living she's like if you can't put a a a toothpick through it it's not good it's like that's correct (laughs) i know so funny yeah (laughs) I love that movie and I feel like um that one has kind of gotten a cult status I think because yeah. I'm always surprised when people bring it up on Twitter everyone kind of flocks to it and has to talk about mermaids yes Yeah and I I mean the whole scene where you're a uh, you're a wolf without a foot <laughs> Oh yeah but my favorite thing is the choices he makes when i was in uh, college doing this acting unit i focused on cage for this film and so i i talked about the scene you know the i lost my head that scene and yeah. then the the follow-up in the kitchen and just some of the weird things he does like with a head cock or the beats that he takes one of my favorites is in that moment where the wolf without a foot when he flips the table over and instead of just immediately grabbing her, he does this weird thing where he puts his hand through his hair first, like he's James Dean and then grabs her. And it's the funniest, sexiest thing ever. Yeah. Oh, bride without a head, a wolf without a foot. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. And I also love the whole scene after the, I mean, the opera scene is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then when he says oh, Loretta, speech. yeah. Yeah. He says, Loretta, I love you. Not like they told you love is. And I didn't know this either, but love don't make things nice. It ruins no. everything. It breaks your heart. It makes things a mess. <laughs> we aren't here to make things perfect. The snowflakes are perfect. Stars are perfect. Not us. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We are here to break our hearts and to love the wrong people. 
and uh, the I don't care if I burn in hell or you burn in it's like so over the top and dramatic but it's it's very romantic and just I mean who isn't going to want to you know upend their entire life and run away with Nicolas Cage yeah. at that moment yeah yeah and and then her because her she was going to have a baby but then her husband got hit by a by a by a bus yeah the bad you, luck and yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah they both have had bad luck in there and i think that's one thing that's also beautiful about the movie is you know he lost his hand she lost a husband they they both had some tragedy in their past and they're kind of misfits and yeah. uh together they find out that they fit i also love that it is a disabled lead um growing up True. that was that was moving because it wasn't a pity thing. I mean, he is yeah. like the dreamiest guy in the entire film and he just happens to only have one hand. They don't really make a big deal out of it except for him when he's in his introductory scene. But yes, yeah. he's all tortured. Yes. <laughs> By the fire making bread, bread, bread. And Love that scene. Yes. It's probably the most passionate movie I think I've ever seen. I mean, just Definitely. as far as like everybody. And then when he says, says you're gonna marry my brother why you want to sell your life short playing it safe is just about the most dangerous thing a woman like you could do you waited for the right man the first time why didn't you wait for the right man the second time he didn't come i'm here you're late (laughs) (laughs) and again i i know this really like people don't talk like that in uh, in real life but like and that's not why we go to the movies necessarily to no. capture real life. We go to capture emotion and and something higher. Yeah, it it's like theater. It's um mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little Shakespearean and uh it's perfect. I also you touched on Olympia Dukakis, who's amazing, oh, and her so sequence good. with John Mahoney, who's this uh professor who's always dating his students and these love affairs always end badly because he says something or she gets bored or whatever and I think that was kind of an important thing for me to see growing up too because you know so you wouldn't fall sway to these people I I love his whole speech and his realization that the appeal of these young women is he's kind of been doing the same class lessons and saying the same things and his stories seem new and exciting all of a sudden when he catches a woman's reflection looking back at him and sort of reinvigorates him or gives him a sense of purpose, which is what I think is uh, an appeal sometimes is the mirror we hold back to people. And uh, I thought that was maybe a good thing for me to see growing up. Like, don't fall for that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that also. Yeah. Just the the fact that she could be so strong and without, and they could have this moment together without yeah. it being like a romantic moment. Yes. It's just you know, two I don't people know. burying their souls for a second, mm-hmm. which is you know, it's hard to do. Uh, I think most of us, when we meet people, just keep things on the surface. Of course, you're not going to immediately start as, as Rachel said, this isn't how people talk. You don't just meet people and immediately. Although I do have to say as somebody who doesn't drive much because of my back, I take a lot of Ubers. And my joke is like, if you ever want to know what a man thinks about anything or have a heart to heart, like get in the car with him because he'll just start talking. I think because he's not looking directly at you. And so I have been told just the most personal stories ever, you know, and in a car. And, and so I do love that, that 
yeah, it is a little unreal. We don't necessarily have these experiences or exchanges yeah. all the time, but yeah, I think, I think you do have those really cool. just moments with people though. And, and probably less so now than back in, in when this movie was made, because everybody yeah. would just be like staring at their phones. Yeah. We're all so removed from each other, mm-hmm. including sure. myself. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I agree. Yes. Sometimes but, it's a protection thing, but uh, yeah. Take there's honestly yeah. not much. I would, I, I, in my opinion, this is a, almost a perfect film. I, it there's is. Yep. really nothing I would change about it. Not at all. No. And our next film, I think is pretty new to you, right? Bull Durham. Yeah. I just watched it for the first time last year uh, on the plane, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, was one, it was, yeah, it was an offered movie on the plane. I think when I was going to New York, uh, and, uh, one of the times last year and I was like, Oh, I haven't watched that. Let's give it a watch. <laughs> <laughs> was it edited on the plane? Um, I've, I've only seen it the one time, so I don't know, actually. Okay. Wow. I think it was a little yeah, bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. It, Cause it's, a it's a pretty spicy. sexy movie though. Yeah. Yeah. It really <laughs> is. My first experience with it is really funny. I had this couple who lived a couple doors down from me, one of the families I babysat for, and they were always so nice. They would go to the video store and rent like a ton of movies every time because he was an inventor. And so he was away a lot and on business sales trips. And then when he would come back, they would have these like big romantic nights and get all dressed up and not return until like two or three in the morning sometimes it was crazy and so they would always rent me a ton of movies and I mean I felt safe enough because they lived two doors down essentially mm-hmm. otherwise I wouldn't have liked being up that late you know and like across town alone but if I needed my parents they were close but they would rent movies and one night uh the dad had Bull Durham on the coffee table and uh, along with uh, guests who's coming to dinner and he explained it. He said, you know, if I want to impress someone, Jenny, I tell them that my favorite movie is guess who's coming to dinner. And then he's like, but really it's Bull Durham. <laughs> and he said, so like, and he explained what the films were. He's like, I love Sidney Poitier. It, that's a great film, but it's a little, you know, preachy and they're kind of all beating us over the head with things, which it's a good message to have, but Bull Durham is the movie. And so it's it's your choice. I watched them both, of course, but I started with Bull Durham and he was absolutely right. That was the better film. I love it. I love a good, yeah. independent, strong, sexy woman who isn't afraid to assert herself and say what she wants. Susan Sarandon is fabulous in this movie. Kevin Costner, one of the best like movie star per pure movie star performances. I love when he walks in and the first line you hear is somebody saying like, Oh, who is this guy or something? And he walks in and says, I'm the player to be named later. It's the <laughs> best, like it's a Tom Cruise intro kind of thing. And so, yeah, I just think it's so good. So funny. Tim Robbins. Hilarious. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You have these movies that where you have, the the female character specifically doesn't want to fall in love doesn't isn't interested in in that kind of part of a relationship but the it's almost like the men in the movies almost never believe her yeah you know that's like like 500 days of summer comes to mind as well yeah Um, and and, then are trying to convince her uh (laughs) yeah well that's kind of true in real life when you're like actively you know when you're searching for your keys you can't find your keys because it's the one thing you're looking for (laughs) and so if you set out like i need to find a man right now 
you're not going to do that because you're going to be so hyper-focused. And uh, sometimes you meet people or when you're least expecting it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I also do like that this movie is, it treats being an athlete as like a job. Yeah, it is. You have good days, bad days. Yeah. It's a grind, man. (laughs) Yes. Well, and it's just like any other job where you have bosses and coworkers and and it's it's, management. it's treated yeah. with like a gritty realism in that way that you usually don't see it probably partly because it is minor leagues but um but i like that that this feels like real just going to work it is yeah and i yeah. think that's important i love that you know like people assume that they would want to do this every day i mean sometimes people have headaches or they're hungover or whatever there's a great scene where it's like let's get a rain out and they just decide to you know set off all the sprinklers which is hilarious because we all have days where you just don't want to go to work and um yeah i think that's that's important i i have people who work in the industry and so um whether it's actors or screenwriters i think everybody just assumes oh it must be so magical to do this every day and it's like sometimes i have a head cold or sometimes i'm worried about my kid at home and i don't want to you know be going on doing this right now but it's just a job yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I think movies like La La Land and stuff like that kind of build it up as being this like amazing, like it's gonna yes. make it's gonna be so fulfilling. It's this incredible thing to to be in the movies or to be in music. And I'm not saying that that's not like a worthy goal, but oh, yeah. you do also have to remember it's a job. It is a job. You're gonna have you're gonna have bosses. You're gonna have rough days. You're gonna have. It's not gonna be this like fairyland. <laughs> no, no, we all have those days. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Ron Shelton, who wrote and directed this, was in the minor leagues for five years, and he mm. said he didn't want to be a Crash Davis, uh, basically. So by 25, when he hadn't been uh, brought up to the show, the majors. He decided to go back to school and went to the University of Arizona. I'm from Arizona. That's in Tucson and got like an MFA in sculpture uh, and in visual arts and then went to L.A. and realized he liked telling stories and started out in screenwriting, but wrote what he knew, which was uh, the minor leagues. Yeah. Was this where Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins uh, met? Do you know? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because they, I mean, that's maybe a, a little bit of a fault in a way of the movie. It's just that they have such great chemistry that, <laughs> and they're not the main couple. So it's a little bit. Like... I know. Yeah. And and Kevin Costner has amazing chemistry with her too. But it is kind of hard when you're watching it because you're thinking actively like this was the couple there for yeah. a while. And so you're watching it and they do have this heat. And uh, I think we talk about screenwriting, which makes so many of these movies just sing. And mm-hmm. when great actors get a chance to, you know, lay into these monologues, Kevin Costner has some amazing ones. And that's so does Susan Sarandon, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's like the whole section where she talks about that. I believe in the church of baseball. Yeah, that's how it opens. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah. And, um, you know, she's like the kind of pitches for the cosmic all-stars Walt Whitman which is good and then uh that speech where she's she's auditioning which man she's going to decide to you know be with and give her wisdom to and help him on his baseball season she picks one 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 guy a year she's monogamous in that respect yeah she's I mean you could call her a groupie the name Annie I guess is a name that 
uh, minor leaguers call the groupies that kind of follow them around or they sleep with, they're like, oh, it's an Annie. And so that name is there. But, you know, she's more than that. And uh, I love that you do have Costner and you can kind of see him as an actor in that moment going like, I don't try out, which I thought yeah. was good. And he gives this speech where she's like, well, what do you believe in? You know, and uh, something about I believe in long um slow wet deep kisses that last three days and this huge uh really sexy speech and then he just like leaves her with her mouth hanging open and walks out the door and uh with the smile on his face because he knows he got her and, yeah uh, it's great i really i really think this would be the perfect date night movie because it definitely it has enough uh um, enough uh not machoism but enough things for the guys to be into it's, yeah. if, if you're going on a uh, a girl guy date um but then obviously it has a strong woman it's uh, incredible chemistry and the um yeah i recommended yeah. it for valentine's day although yeah. you have to say like this is kind of you got to be careful with this movie you guys because it will turn people on and so <laughs> i do have to say if you watch this with someone and at the end of it, if you're not like, whoa, I want to make out with this person like now. Maybe not a first date. Yeah, don't use this on a first date. <laughs> but if you watch Bull Durham together and at the end, you're not like really ready to make out with that person. Yeah. That is not your person. Right. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. I agree. It could be helpful too in that regard. Yes, it, it might be. You can use it as like, <laughs> let's take this to the next level or you know what? I don't know if I'm feeling this guy. And then at the end of the movie, yeah, I think I'd rather make out with Kevin Costner than this guy. That's probably not good. No. Although that's a high bar. That's a high bar. That's funny. Costner in 88. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But but yeah, this one, the dialogue is really sharp. Uh, It's different than Moonstruck. Moonstruck is is a little, is more passionate and um, yeah, over the top this is more more gritty more realistic yep um even kind of vulgar i would say oh, yeah for sure yeah yeah um and i also just it's a film that athletes from all walks of life love kevin garnett who played for the minnesota timberwolves i share a birthday with and then he played of course for the boston celtics mm-hmm. but um uh, he talks about it is rookie season because he's a huge movie geek and he would watch Bull Durham all the time because it taught him how to talk to the press. There's a scene where Kevin Costner is giving Tim Robbins advice of, you know, you take it one game at a time. Uh, You just want to do what's best for the ball club and God willing, you know, that kind of thing. And he said, I just use those talking points for Hmm. my first year and it worked really, really well. Well, that makes sense. Cause like I was saying, it really treats this as a job. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I can see why any uh, any professional athlete would, would get a lot from this movie. Although uh, I'm sure that uh, that they, I don't know if it would give the best advice as far as dealing with the groupies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably want <laughs> not out there. Yes, let's yeah. just say that. But um, yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. Oh my but God. but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a. I could see why it was so popular because you don't have that many romances quite like this that are truly made for adults that are yeah. uh, that are this kind of sexy and smart and um with charismatic actors uh you just don't see it that often 
Did you see Tim Cup by any chance? I don't think I have. I that's so I need to it. see that. Yeah, it's the same writer director. It's Kevin Costner with Renee Russo, Don Johnson, Cheech Marin is in it. It's really good. Also, he did White Men Can't Jump, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Very, very funny. Rosie yeah. Perez. Yeah. He's a good so, writer. He really, really good writer. is. Yeah. He just kind yeah. of made those his niche, basically, are mm-hmm. these sports romances with strong female characters. Yeah. Yeah. And very um, strong points of view. That's kind of what we're getting for these recent movies we're talking about is characters who feel very um, unique. Nowadays, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's so interchangeable and bland in these movies. Uh, they don't really make rom-coms much anymore except on TV. Yeah, exactly. Dreamers. So, yeah, this was unique and this was the heyday. And the next film, of course, is like a contemporary classic when Harry met Sally. It's the first screenplay. I remember my mom buying me for like Christmas. Nora Ephron is another person I share a birthday with. And so um, when Harry met Sally was an early favorite. Um, I'm one of those people, as much as I love this movie, I think Bruno Kirby is actually the standout. Uh, It's kind of a realization I came to later on when I started dating. And I realized, you know, Harry's the guy you kind of want to stay away from, essentially. But Bruno Kirby, when he sees Carrie Fisher, he's just like, he knows he wants her. And he's he doesn't play games. He's nice to her friends. Um, (laughs) I love him on the, the fix up that goes so wrong. There's my favorite throwaway joke of, uh, well, he's the reason I became a writer, but that's not important right now, <laughs> which is so like, he's just trying to get through this dinner and they have nothing in common, but you can tell he just got devastated by her hatred of his idol. And, uh, oh my God, I love him. Yeah. Baby fish mouth. I have a baby fish mouth <laughs> t-shirt that my friend and logo designer Kate Gabrielle designed. Um, yeah. So yay, Bruno Kirby, Carrie Fisher. And of course, I mean, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. I love this movie. I, for a long time, I didn't see R rated movies until yeah. I was, uh, yeah, until I was older. Um, it, cause that was kind of something that it was advice on my religion's part, but it actually, like, as an adult, it was advice given to youth who shouldn't be watching the movies technically anyway, you know, or with guidance yeah. or whatever. Sure. And, uh, and so, I realized I'm like, I don't know. I just realized that the MP was a joke and, uh, and I should just watch the movies I want to watch and yeah. not care about the rating. Um, but that's why I had a lot of kind of holes that other people had like big movies that I, I and mean, they're still, uh, you know, I do my blind spot series every month on my, on my blog. I've done we all have of, blind spots. Yeah. Yeah. We all have blind spots, but I have a lot of rated our blind spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Anyway, so I didn't see this until until uh, I was a little bit older, uh, but I absolutely loved it. I think it's so funny. Maybe one of the best scripts ever. And at the time, I that a lot of people saw this as kind of a knockoff Annie Hall, which I get because of the like interviews in between, and there's certain mm-hmm. things that are similar. But I think this is outright funnier than Annie Hall personally. It is really, really funny. I agree. I think it's um, Annie Hall has a lot of melancholy moments in it. And um, I mean, it's a wonderful film. It's an American classic. But this one, I I watch just way more than that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Especially now. But (laughs) yes. yeah. And I love the whole scene. She's like, and I'm going to be 40 in six years. Charlie Chaplin, babies. Yes. 
but he was too old to pick him up. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and I love the whole scene with the uh, the wagon wheel table. <laughs> I will never want that wagon wheel coffee table. Yeah, just like, put your Roy names Rogers. on all your possessions. Because... <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes. And of course, I mean, it's so iconic now, the the ending, when, mm-hmm. you know, I love the fact that your nose makes a little sprinkle. <laughs> or you get cold when it's 71 you, degrees out. Or it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. So that's really great. And yeah, I absolutely agree about Carrie Fisher, Bruno Kirby. They are just absolutely hilarious and wonderful as the supporting supporting characters. But I guess we should talk about, like, how do you feel about this sort of question that it asks about can men and women be friends? Does you sex know, always get in the way? That is really funny because I would say 90% of my friends are male. Um, mm-hmm. And I grew up just like that, just feeling comfortable. Like, um, I, I have female friends. Rachel's one of my friends. You know, <laughs> I love women. But uh, I hung out with my older brother and his friends. I don't know why I think growing up... Um, it just we were the movie people and a lot of times it was it was the guys who were into movies so I just hung out with them and feel more comfortable I will say when I started like high school there were several times where I would go hang out or thinking you know guys always say that even as adults like let's hang out and you don't really know if it's a date or let's go get coffee you have no idea right um and so anyway there were times like when I went to the movie and I thought it was just buddies um where all of a sudden you know the lights go down and the hand comes and you're like okay this is a date now i guess like that's weird guys trying to take a shortcut here but um but yeah when i got older that became more challenging and i had more female friends um but now in in adulthood of kind of just whoever it's rare to find people that you have stuff in common with and i say male female just whoever you connect with, that's important in life. And friends are important. I think most of my male friends, I will say, are married or in good relationships. And Mm. that's a little bit by design, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also very clear um, on some of those, like, you know, I'll call them like my honorary brother or something just to, you know, I never want to lead somebody on or anything. How about you? How do you feel about it? Usually I feel like if, if I'm going to be friends with like somebody that's like in my life, you know, like a friend, friend, uh, I kind of have to be friends with the couple. Exactly. I I really, I I think it would be a little bit awkward to just be, I mean, to just be friends with the guy, but okay. I, I mean, not impossible, but uh, I would think I would usually be uh, You would want to with... meet them. For Certainly, sure. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And make and sure then... that they understand, like, look, <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to sleep with your husband yeah. or your friend. Like, I'm not creepy, I promise. <laughs> yeah. like, fidelity is, like, the most important thing to me. I, yeah. I uh, was in an experience where I was involved with a colleague, a, a fellow critic, and I had no idea because she worked um, nights and they lived in separate houses that he actually did have a fiance until the night before we were going to be at a screening together. And he goes, I should probably tell you my fiance is going to be there. I was like, you're what? <laughs> and so, so fidelity is super important. I would never cheat and yeah. I don't want to lead anyone on. And I wouldn't want anyone to think I'm like trying to steal their 
boyfriend. Yeah. And I'm on the opposite of you. My friends have always been women. I, my, I, not that I, uh, I avoided men or, you know, and I have a good relationship with my, uh, my, my dad, you know, we have, yeah, we have yeah. a good relationship. Like I have, I have male relationships in my life for that sure. are positive, but, uh, but for some reason, my friends were always girls and it, it, it has actually been something since I started YouTube that has been kind of nice that I've developed this group of, cause most of the, you know, movie YouTubers are, are men. Are men. And yeah. so I developed this kind of group of guy friends for the first time in my life, which has been fun. And of course became super close with my, my friend Stanford, who we do all the talking Disney episodes with. And, uh, and uh, so, yeah, I think that, I think that basically they're saying in Harry, when Harry met Sally is that yes, men and women can be friends. Yeah. But be honest about your yeah. expectations <laughs> or if you're starting to get attracted to them, um, just be more clear and more direct, which is scary yeah. because you never want to jeopardize a friendship or you don't know um, what somebody is, is thinking or feeling. And yeah, because I think that sex can get in, get in the way. Oh, for that sure. doesn't mean that it's like a big, even maybe even a big barrier. Maybe it's just like, okay. And then you, you know, then you You've move on and have a great it. friendship. Yeah. Like you're saying. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they have terrific chemistry. There's so many great moments, like when they're eating the, um, <laughs> the mal bars, <laughs> the, the world's greatest cookie yes. and, uh, our, uh, when they're talking about Casablanca, I mean, that's one thing I that love Nora, that. Yeah, yeah. Where they're on the phone and we see a split screen and they're watching yeah. the movie together essentially and talking. Um, yeah. I guess that came closing from, line effort. <laughs> yeah. I guess that came from reality. Rob Reiner, the director and Billy Crystal would do that like every night they would call each other while they watch TV and just like comment on it, which is really, really funny. Yeah. When I think he and Nora were really good friends too. Yes. Rob yeah. Reiner um, and Nora. I, yeah, um, Rob Reiner, I think Harry is a little bit based on slightly uh, Rob Reiner and mm -hmm. Nora Ephron's friendship, um, you know, and they interviewed a lot of people. Uh, like, I guess all of the stories that we see where the couples are telling their romantic stories are real stories. They're just reenacted by actors. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love those. Those are really fun. Yes. I know some of them are very sweet. Some of them are cynical. Yeah. <laughs> like the guy who was at, was it a wedding or a funeral with one woman? And he had like six women before that. And he ditched one for this girl. And yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And I love when he's like, I didn't expect to be singing Surrey with a fringe on top when Ira was in. <laughs> yeah. I brought up Ira. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I love the I love this movie. I, I think Classic. it's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, there are so many others that we could have discussed. I mean, we might have to do more installments of this. Uh yeah, absolutely. 90s. So are there any movies um that we didn't I mean there are several that we didn't talk about <laughs> that you have a special affection for or want to recommend people seek out if they're doing an 80s rom com fest? Oh, let me think. Now my mind's gone blank. Uh, do you have any the, any extras you want? And then I can think about it. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Originally, when we were talking about this, Rachel brought up some of the teen romances. Uh, Say Anything is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I love Working Girl. I think that is a great film. Baby Boom is kind of a comfort movie I like to watch. Uh, 
I get a kick out of Diane Keaton in that and Sam Shepard. Yeah. Okay. So a couple that I thought of, uh, I think that, uh, I think that the princess bride. There you go. Yeah. Is, is Rob really again. Yeah. 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 And I love, uh, uh broadcast news. I think it's great. Oh my gosh. One of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which opened the same day as Moonstruck, which is mm-hmm. bananas. Yeah. yeah. And I love Romancing the Stone. Yes. That's a good one. Um, I recently watched Roxanne for the first time. That was fun. One of my favorites. Enjoyed that. Yes. Um, it's problematic, but I still get joy out of the original Overboard. Okay. Yes. I'm going to be talking about that with uh, the Cantwells because we're doing an episode on Kurt Russell. So Silkwood and Overboard will be two of the films. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, I guess. (laughs) You know, some of these 80s movies, just like Splash. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Stuff that really wouldn't fly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, One that kind of got tarnished by not great sequels, but look, the original Look Who's Talking is actually quite charming. Amy Heckerling. Uh, yeah, I haven't and, seen that in forever. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, there's some uh, the more like tearjerker ones, like Steel Magnolias, and uh, is yeah, that are dramedies, but they're yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that movie kills me. I rewatched <laughs> it, um, for an episode I did with Nell Minow on female friendships, and oh, uh, perfect. Yeah, I think I I was such a mess uh, in the 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 scene at the yeah oh my gosh and Daryl Hannah, but I was such a mess in the scene with Sally Field at the graveyard where uh, oh my I'm not going to even go into it but I wasn't Olympia Dukakis too yeah 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 yeah, look at us we're just (laughs) that I remember I came out and my mom was like you know my face was all puffy she's like what happened oh my god are you okay and I'm like I just watched Steel Magnolias (laughs) I tell you I like Steel Magnolias a million times better than Terms of Endearment I just can't stand that movie a big fan of that at all no No. thank you yeah Yeah. um one last one uh that I watched for the first time last year it's called Murphy's Romance with Sally Field great film that one is so good so underrated yeah, check that one out if you're yeah. listening and haven't. Well, Rachel, I want to thank you so much for your time and for doing this. It's always such a pleasure to talk movies with you. It really is. It's so much fun. We could keep going for hours. I well, think. come back anytime. <laughs> yes, and we'll definitely have you on Hallmarkies podcast coming up. Uh, that will be a lot of fun. We did Jane Eyre last year, and that was one I of my favorites. It, it was yeah. so fun. Yeah, and I was really honored to be a part of uh, the Criterion project as well. Yeah. We did uh, Age of Innocence last year. Which oh, I yeah, yeah. That was yeah. so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, again. thank you very much. Yes. I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment, film rentals, RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. Other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store 
hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.